Hello world, hello internet, and welcome to episode 7 of the JS League show. My co-host Diana is going to talk about our guest for this episode. Hi guys, we are here in the studio with our guest Silvia Stegaru. Actually, she's the first girl as our guest in the JS League show, so congrats. Yay! For me! <laughs> Hi Silvia. Hi everyone. She is the co-founder of Codet. Forbes 30 under 30, and she has actually recognition from the U State Department for her work in computer science and in, uh, activities in general. Activities and in the NGO. So tell us a bit about yourself and how you started with computer science and why computer science? Well, it's a kind of a complicated story because I always liked tech and I always liked the sciences and um, everything that's, I don't know, maths, physics, uh, computer science and so on. Uh, when I was a little kid in the second grade, I started doing electronics and I went to this club and I did a lot of montages and um, technical schemes and so on and I did my own stuff. Um, as I grew in the ninth grade, I actually became, um, I don't really know what the word is for it, but do you know when you uh, do telegraphy? Mm. So is that beep, 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 beep? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I did that. Uh, I got a certification where I actually had to uh, pass a series of five exams, electronics included and so on. Uh, so now I'm certified and I also have um, an ID. So you know Morse code by heart? I used to know it. I think I still know it. I haven't practiced in a while, oh, in, that's in so years. Cool. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, I did a lot of crazy stuff. Among other things, I bought a car. I was pretty smart. So I had a scholarship and my parents didn't actually know what I did with the money. So basically I bought a car. It was an old Allsit, if you know the brand. Yeah. Yeah, so I kept it at some friends because I couldn't keep it in front of my block. What if they found out? And so you hid the car from your parents when you were in high school? Like, like yeah. how do you hide the car? I yeah. I'm still like, you, you hide that dress you don't want your parents yes. to see, but how do you hide, hide cigarettes, you yeah. hide alcohol, but the car is a whole new level. So after I bought the car, I didn't actually have money for gas, so a friend of mine had to siphon gas from his father's car so that we could ride it. <laughs> okay, so this yeah. was a startup, basically. <laughs> did a lot of crazy stuff back then and, and I enjoyed every bit of it and uh, with all that I reached the 12th grade when you know you have to choose your destiny and I had no idea what to do because I liked everything and even though I had a lot of words <laughs> and no high school student ever yeah I like everything <laughs> nobody likes everything I was a nerd I loved chemistry, I loved biology, I loved math, I loved a lot of stuff. And I was really good with linguistics and English and French and so on. So it was pretty a tough, it was a pretty tough decision, actually. And uh, a lot of my teachers tried to tell me that I should go for English because I already know it so well, why not go there? And not only that, but there was active discouragement when I started to say that I was considering computer science. And I don't know, I think I just said it because I wanted to see what the reaction was, and when the reaction was, oh, you can't do that, you, you can't possibly learn that because it's too hard for you, I kind of got really stubborn about, about it. And that's how I ended up at the Faculty of Automatic Control and Computer Science, where I got my bachelor's, I got my master's, I got my PhD, <laughs> and... Okay. 
So you wanted to show people that it can be done. I think so. Okay. Yeah, it definitely can be done. Sure, but I, I mean, people don't... People look at women and say they, they like to say that they can't do things. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> people like to tell me that I can't do things, and that's when I start doing them. Uh, one thing that I learned uh, through this is that people are always going to tell you that you should go for a um, faculty at university or college where you already know what they are teaching there. But I don't think that's the purpose of, of the faculty. I think the purpose of education is to learn what you want to do in life. So I knew I wanted to be in computer science and I went where I could learn how to do that. And people are doing the contrary and I don't understand why. Yeah, there's, there's no point going somewhere to learn something that you already know. What's the point in like putting that extra, I don't know, 10%, 20% on top of something you already know and you can, could learn something new? Yeah. I think people don't want to learn anything new or exciting. They usually pick universities based on what jobs they can land after finishing their university. Yeah, I, th I think this, this started like in recent times when people in tech started earning more money and people started gravitating toward tech. But uh, it hasn't always been the case. I think for our, in our cases, we, it was more your, about... Your case. In my case, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm the old one here. I think in my case, it was more about doing something you're passionate about, not necessarily something you already know, but something that you'd really like to learn and something that you'd enjoy learning and you'd, uh, it would help you with your development. Okay, cool. So tell us a bit how Codet start and what is its focus as an NGO? Well... I started in, fa in the faculty, uh, I was part of the League of Students, I started doing a lot of events, organizing uh, stuff, so contrary to what people say, you actually do have a life and you can manage your time so you can do a lot of extra stuff while, um, while at this faculty. So I was an organizer, event organizer uh, in the beginning. In my third year, I started to go towards the technical side and robotics, and I started to actually explore what I liked about computer science, and I went for performance. I started, um, I was part of the first uh, robotics club um, in, in our faculty. And after that, uh, I don't know, I think two years later we actually got 18th place on the international phase of the Eurobot contest and so on. And although I did have high achievements, there were always people who tried to tell me I can't do something and that's when my stubbornness started to act up again and uh, at some point I noticed a pattern. Uh, a lot of my friends, girlfriends, started to experience the same things and uh, that was hardly the case for boys. I, that, it was just a personal experience. And in the beginning, um, after the whole uh, robotics experience, I started to also get involved as a trainer in workshops to help uh, educate high school children and students and so on. And we did a lot of robotics classes. Um, and that's when I noticed that there were hardly any girls enrolling for these classes. Um, it, it was, I don't know, I really wanted to learn more. I really wanted to understand the context. Uh, I mean, do they not like it? That's impossible because I like it and I'm a girl. You can't just tell me that girls in general don't like that or that they're not wired that way because I know differently. It's not my reality. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started to do uh, workshops uh, for girls only. Uh, one of my co-founders uh, uh, of Godet, Georgiana Plechtanu, 
uh, was my partner back then, and I met the other co-founder, Alexandra Angel, uh, through a mentorship program that I also started. And in 2016, it just all came together, and that's how Codet came to be. So tell us a bit about Codet and what, what projects you're running with Codet and what, what are you trying to do to help women start in tech and learn more about tech? We actually have a lot of activities and we're geared towards uh, diversity and inclusion. Uh, we pride ourselves in being the community for persons of all age groups, of all levels of experience, of all tech branches. We try and be everywhere. And of course, it's a work in progress, but we do it pre pretty well. So starting from the lowest age group to the biggest, we have a summer school for 10, 12 year old kids for um, Java and Android with a bit of MIT App Inventor and Thunkable at the beginning so they don't just dive into programming. Lower age groups are problematic because they don't know English. So below nine years, we haven't tried anything yet. Uh, we have workshops for high school children. We have, um, for students and industry professionals, we have workshops from beginner to advanced. Um, we have a conference, we have meetups, we have a hackathon, we have programming hubs, we have a mentorship program, we have a travel grant. So there are really a lot. And in terms of workshops, we have workshops on C, C++, with Internet of Things, we have Java and Android, we have JavaScript, we have Python, we have artificial intelligence, and for each of these we uh, have many more, so beginner to advanced. Uh, for uh, high school, for the high school level, for instance, we have uh, around more than 10 workshops per year, and we also go um, in, in Romania in general, not just in Bucharest. So we went to Timisoara, uh, Brasov, Constanza, Braila, and so on. And I think our next one is in Slatina, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. How, how did you choose all the, uh, all the tech stack? So you have C, C++, Python, IoT, Java, Android, JavaScript. It seems like a bit scarce or like our oldest workshop is uh, IoT for All. It used to be called IoT for Girls because in the beginning it was only for girls. Uh, I think we reached the 11th or 12th edition on this one. So it's pretty old. We started it back in 2014. Wow. And we just added them as as more people joined our cause and they wanted to do, hey, I noticed that you don't have Python and I'm really passionate about this, let's do this. And we're like, yeah. Let, let, <laughs> let's go into some Python. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And once we have the format, we know how to apply it and go to high schools, go to universities and so on. You had your last project was uh, the mentorship one, right? Yeah. Can you tell us more about how, how, it, how it went, what, why it's important to have a mentor in computer science? We actually just finished that um, last week and we were really proud of our demo day. We had presentations, pitches actually, where they actually had to say a few words about what they learned and we actually had demos, I really liked that part. That's um, nice, like actual applications that or MVPs coded. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one that really impressed me was um, an application for navigating indoors using QR codes because um, sometimes you are in a mall, in a hospital somewhere and you don't know how to get from A to B. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really interesting because um, the person who implemented it actually said it was because um, of his grandma. 
So he really wanted to um, know how to get to her in a hospital, but no one could tell him where she was, so he could have used that. Uh, I also really liked uh, a project of a girl who was from a different university, not computer science, and she learned how to do an IoT project, so uh, automatic water, um, plant watering. Mm -hmm. And I know you might say that these have all been done before, but it's, it's not just the project that matters, it's the mentorship part, because as you mentioned, mentorship is really important in computer science. There's a huge gap between what you do when you're in, in university and what you need to know when, um, when you work for a company. And it's not just the skills, it's mostly the processes. It's, um, I don't know, all our projects were open source, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, it's how you think, it's talking about your career and where you are and where, uh, where you want to be in one year from now and so on. And I think computer science is actually uniquely formed in such a way that the community comes, comes together and wants to share these experiences and they want to help you build up on yourself. Actually, that, that, that's pretty cool because I haven't heard of any technical mentorship programs here in Romania. So I think it's a big, big start and congrats for, for your first edition. Thank you. Hope to see more in the future. Definitely. So uh, you talked about diversity and diversity for you as a woman in computer science is important. So why, why, why do you think it's important to have an organization that supports diversity and promotes diversity in computer sciences? Well, currently there's a big gender gap in Romania and there are a lot of uh, statistics that are available online that talk about this. And something that amazes me even now is how some people just say, oh, but we're better off than Bulgaria, why even bother? <laughs> it's like... I don't know. Um, it's, it's always setting a very low bar that you can always clear, like Bulgaria, we, we can yeah. beat them. So it, if I may, it's like saying to the Romanian people that why do you complain about your politics all the time? You're better off than Moldavia or Africa or something else. It doesn't mean you have to stop fighting. Or it North means, Korea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. <laughs> It just means that you have to identify the causes, see the effects, try and overcome them, and just get to the bottom of it. It's, it's addictive work, actually. Do you think there are some common misconceptions about women in computer science? There are a lot, and if we look closely, there's a stereotype going on that says that women are generally not technical people. <laughs> and I think that's generally part of the Romanian culture. It's not really beneficial. Um, uh, it's pretty bad because um, you can see it in our um, school manuals. You can see it at the TV, in commercials. You can see it in movies. It's everywhere. And it made people believe that women are not wired that way. And it's a shame because basically a lot of women give up before even trying, before even trying to see if they would be good at it, if they would like it, and so on. So through our workshops, we actually try to get to them and show them no strings attached, just try this, the workshop is free. If you like it, we can talk some more and you can grow in this uh, domain. If not, at least you tried, at least now you know, and nobody else can come from the outside and tell you something else. And one thing that's really interesting about our workshops is that by the end you actually have, um, in one or two days, you have 
a complete application of something, a, a software program that, um, I don't know, is either a piano or um, with, with uh, photoresistors and so on, or even just posting something on Facebook. And at the end of the day, you actually can show the others, you said I couldn't, but here's what I did. And I think that says a lot. Okay, so you talked about, about girls trying to start in tech and not knowing where to start. What would be your advice for, for a woman, a girl that would like to, to start working in tech? Where to go, where to look for advice? First things first, join our community. We're on Facebook, you can find our web, uh, our web page, our Facebook page, our Facebook group and so on. We actually try and put on resources there. We have a blog where we write sometimes. For instance, for kids, we had um, an analysis of five um, programming academias for children and so on. So we try and put resources on our blog too. Um, secondly, the community is really open to answering questions. So there have, have been a lot of requests for, hey, I want to learn JavaScript, where do I start? And people are actually really friendly and just post everything there. So. There's that, and I think we actually try to gear up towards our community and its, um, its necessities. So whenever we see that a certain category starts to get bigger in our community, we try and fill their needs. We try and fulfill their goals and so on. So that's when we add new activities. Coming back to my, my previous question about misconception and misconceptions in women in programming and computer science, Uh, the thing is that recent, so um, the latest trend starting from the US and also in Europe and in our, our companies is that are a lot of Romanian companies that are um, actively engaging more and more women developers in their companies. So what, sh what I can see from the surface is that there is a shifting trend in supporting and uh, women in tech. Do you think it is so do you think that the problem is being resolved one way or another or is just I don't know. I don't know how to say it is is it improving? Yeah. I don't I don't think it's ever going to be resolved, but do you see improvement? Well, sometimes you see improvements, sometimes you don't. It's something that you actually have to follow through the years. But I think it's, re it's really impressive when you see tech giants that have their number of employees are, is greater than the size of Romania, the number of people in Romania and so on. So you have to ask yourself, where are these gi tech giants, these companies, interested in getting more women aboard? And I don't know, I've heard a lot of misconceptions like, oh, the state makes them do it. Well, that's kind of wrong. I mean, I think we can all see that in, in Romania, nobody's making anyone do anything. So at least uh, not here. So why do these companies have an interest in getting more women? What, well, from my experience, it's twofold. Uh, first things first, there are a lot of tech jobs that go unfill unfilled and they just need the workers. Mm -hmm. Secondly, though, and this one is even more important than just filling a job role, is the fact that um, You have a product, and that product is going to be sold to who? To whom? It's going to be sold to women and men. And if only men develop the solution, they might not see that the solution doesn't fit the women in the problem. So the women might not buy it. So it's basically just a, a shot at increasing their revenue and selling more products 
what does it mean for us? For us, it means that we get better products that fit more people. For me, I'm a woman. I want more products to fit my needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not only about fitting the needs of women because sometimes like some products are specifically designed for men but still a woman's perspective on that product can help I mean as many perspective on a product as you can get and like as much of a diverse opinion on a product yeah. you can get it, it's only gonna make the product better not worse because you no one can see everything completely objectively and say hey this is great and exactly. There's always different points of views and like women bring a different point of view to the table than men. Exactly. And diversity is known to make uh, teams more productive. And if we just look at so when we want to get a new product and we want to have a new solution for something, what do we do? What, what's the best tool for innovation that you can think of? Well, the most overflow? <laughs> no, no, for innovation. So when you want to innovate... Take innovation overflow? <laughs> you, you get a bunch of people in a room yeah. and you yeah. make them brainstorm. brainstorm. Yeah. So if you have a bunch of people in the room that all think alike, that brainstorming is not going to be as effective as, as you need it to be. When you get more diverse people in the room, that brainstorm will, will spin out unicorns. So we've talked about mentalities, we've talked about uh, girls from young ages being told that they cannot do a certain specific, uh, specific technical thing. Actually, do you think there is a problem in Romania regarding women in computer science? Actually, I, I really do. Because, and I think it would be completely, completely arrogant to say that it's not. I mean, we see gender problems starting in the East with Asia and Russia and so on, and um, India, and continuing through the West. So there are problems worldwide with this. Why would we think Romania escaped it? <laughs> I cannot see why so some people would say that it's not present. Because um, we like to feel special as Romanians. Yeah, yeah, I think it's something from the communist age when they told you that Romania has the biggest riches in the world and so on, and that's why everyone envies us. <laughs> I, I'm sure that's the case. But um, coming back to your question, there are a lot of problems, especially once you go outside the ITNC bubble. And unfortunately, that means anything before you get into, the, uh, into this domain. So education is, is filled with stereotypes uh, against women going into tech. And um, it, when you have parents, when you have all your friends, when you even have teachers that tell you that girls don't belong there, you are going to choose a different career, a more feminine one. And I think that's a big problem. Once you get into the ITNC bubble, I think it gets better, but there's also a problem there. Because although there are a lot of smart people interested in educating others and who understand a lot of deep problems, when they hear the part about gender problems, they brush it off. And what I would like to say to them it, is that it's not about them. It's not about how you feel when you're in ITNC. It's about making the world a better place. It's about getting out of the ITNC bubble and extending your hand to someone who needs your help learning, who needs your help uh, with their trust, uh, with their self-esteem, with their trust in themselves, so that they can, too, come into this domain and, and perform. Yeah, so the problem, I guess, is not genderly wise necessarily is the mindset that needs to be shifted a bit and into helping others regardless of their 
Yeah. yeah. And I think, like Sylvia said, I think this needs to start from an earlier stage, not just computer science, but education. Mm-hmm. Because I think in, in, in other countries, in the United States especially, there's a big push into getting girls into tech, into STEM, and get, getting girls interested in them. Because it's hard as a girl to be interested in something when everyone tells you this is not something for you. So there's a big push in getting getting girls interested in in all kinds in engineering and uh, sciences and things like that and and I think that's where you need to start because it, it's a funnel and if, if the funnel is really really uh, really really tight at the beginning at the education part it's only gonna get tighter and tighter the more you advance in your career. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, you recently started uh, to have coded projects that are open for men as well. Uh, so can you talk a bit about that and why did you decide to make make this organization, which was initially targeted at at women, which are not that included, you became more inclusive and brought men to the table as well? Yeah, actually, that's pretty interesting because our name, Codet, says that it's geared toward women and most for the most part we are, but that doesn't mean that men are not wanted at our events so actually our meetups were open to men as well since the beginning but it's a common misconception that they Codet does events for women so they don't enroll and we have the reverse effect that you might see in a conference we actually have about 30 percent men at our meetups and why did we keep our meetups open so uh, think of it like this i have some awesome women speakers that I want to showcase and I want to show the world that they are here and they are work, working on really interesting projects. And I also want to show that other conference, the other organizers that do conference and meetups and so on, that you can actually find women speakers. But I can't just showcase these women to other women. It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it defeats the purpose. Yeah, I, I want men to know about them as well. So that's one thing. However, we did start with workshops and our group as a community as a safe space. So most of our workshops were only for women and the community, the group, the Facebook group was only for women. This year, the the diversity and inclusion part that you are referring to, we actually opened the group up for men as well because we want them as allies and we couldn't just have, we couldn't tell our um, men trainers anymore that, uh, okay, you are part of this, but you cannot join our group. It's it's not fair to them because they have been there for us and they are helping the cause. So we want to let more people like them in. We started as a safe space. That means that as a community, we were especially vulnerable to trolls. So it was easier for us to have the Facebook group closed and just for women than just let anyone in and they could break it at any time before it even grew. So. Two years later, we consider that the community is now more mature and we have grown and there's nothing that can break us anymore at this point. So that's why we opened up the group too. Um, our workshops as well, because we want to show that we can collaborate really well. Uh, and especially in high schools, when we go to a high school, we never say that we choose only girls. We always say to the teachers, we only do a workshop in your high school if you can get me 50% girls. That way, they feel that they can join and boys won't tease them because if you do an all-girl event into a high school, they're going to tell them, oh, 
you got in there because you're a girl, because you're dumb, or ha ha ha. So we want to. Is it oh. actually really a thing? Oh yeah, this? yeah. Is it still a thing? Yeah, it still is. It's kids are mean. Come on, like yeah. they're all gonna be mean to someone. And when they say that, girls don't want to join because they don't want to be the dumb person who got in because she's a girl because of the gender. So we try and be really mindful of their psychology and get them there such that they can see that they can do this and they can see if they like it. So tell us a bit more about the projects you have ongoing at Codet right now and uh, where could people like sign up and uh, what, what are some of the stuff you're working on right now? We actually have a meetup coming up on June the 5th. Um, everyone can see the event on Facebook, Coded for Cloud it's called. And we usually tackle various subjects there, starting from cloud, but no, not only, also AI, big data, and, and different topics that sometimes relate to cloud, but not necessarily so, um, that could be in the cloud and so on. And we actually have some pretty nice presentations. I encourage everyone to check them out on our Facebook page. Okay, so do you usually film the events and then uh, put them on your, uh, on your page? Unfortunately, no. So um, some, some of them are done in partnership with different companies and they usually have to get a lot of different approvals if uh, we actually do something video. So we do videos, but without the sound and they're just presentation videos or so on. Um, okay. We don't post a whole meetup, so it's most of, mostly an offline thing. What are your future plans with Codet? Uh, so we're perpetually expanding and uh, this autumn we actually have some really nice uh, events and something really nice prepared for entrepreneurs and women in tech entrepreneurs. So we actually have a big announcement coming up in a few days. Stay tuned. Nice. So if you'd be able to give some advice to, to your past self, what would be the one piece of advice that would, you would give to yourself? Well. I'd actually give myself a ton of advice and especially since I'm also a mentor to a lot of the girls in the community, I, it's like I wake up and give different pieces of advice depending on what happened to me that day or what I remembered that happened to me at one time and how, how I would do things differently. But I guess today my piece of advice for my past self would be not to sacrifice herself. So don't sacrifice yourself, never do that. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, especially as a woman, when you go towards computer science and you show some inclination towards something else rather than computer science and you want to do both, like I feel the need to because I also have a strong technical side and I also have a strong people side. People per I'm a people person, a social butterfly, and I want to do both these things. And people usually think that I'm into the community because I would rather do that than tech or that it's my stronger side or hey you're good at this so you should do this and I'm like no I'm good at both I should do both so sometimes they have this preconception that about what I should do to do that which I like and I actually got advice starting from yeah you should be a teacher because you'd be really good at that um, do, go for what you like, uh, listen to your heart and all that blah blah. So if I'd listen to my heart, I'd go for everything. I wouldn't sacrifice one for the other. I wouldn't sacrifice, I don't know, being a teacher 
um, in detriment of being a programmer. I wouldn't sacrifice uh, what I would consider a normal, normal salary for something the state could pay me and so on. So think about that. Think about what you're sacrificing. Is it time? Is it money? Is it knowledge? Is it your passions? And try not to do that. That's, that's a strong piece of advice. Uh, I'll tell you for sure. Yeah, and you, you seem to be passionate about a lot of things. How do you split your time be, between all those things? Because you, if you don't want to sacrifice something, uh, you need to sacrifice something. Time isn't, uh, time isn't unlimited. You do have to make some sacrifices somewhere. How do you decide what, what's the thing that's the least important to you and how do you sacrifice that thing? So some people choose one thing and they do that well and they specialize themselves. Because I didn't want to let go anything. So I, I wanted to be a programmer. I also wanted to be a researcher, so I did my PhD. I didn't want to let go of the community. I didn't let want to let go of some other things, oh, like having personal time and watching Netflix and so on. So what that has forced me to do was learn how to context switch and learn how to be really efficient with my time. So yeah, it, truth be told, you can't do a hundred things well but you can do three or four things well. Because let's face it, even the people who specialize themselves on just one branch need a break, need a context switch. So they choose to dedicate, I don't know, three or four hours for what they love, and then it's like taking a break. I choose to uh, dedicate three or four hours for something I love, another three or four hours for something else, eight hours for work because, you know, we also need to do that. You kind of have to. So, yeah. Uh, so, basically, it's a lot of context switching. It's not all in one day. I could give up research for a few weeks at times and focus more on Codet. And during the summer when we don't have much activity in the community, I dedicate my time to something else. But I always make time for what I love and what I need because it's like I'm not complete without them. And I think that made me a better person, that taught me a lot of things, that um, made me be more knowledgeable about a lot of things and certainly more empathetic because I believe that you can be empathetic with someone if you don't put yourself in their shoes and when you only see one side of things and you don't move away from your comfort zone to see the other side then you can't learn this and I do believe compassion and empathy are learned in, way we're, in one way or another. Okay, so now that we talked about past Sylvia. Tell us a bit about future Sylvia. Where would you like to be in, I don't know, I think it's a cliche to ask where do you see yourself in five years, but what would you like to grow, to, to do to grow professionally? So currently I'm a programmer, I work in cybersecurity. Um, so as I said, you know, during the university I started out in a robotics um, a club and I went to some competitions and so on. I really like that, so my first job was in embedded systems. But gradually I transitioned into cybersecurity because um, the basis, you actually kind of need the same skill set for some branches of cybersecurity. So it, it was actually really nice for me to jump here. And I'm really learning a lot. I'm exploring this at the moment. And in the future, I actually see myself mentoring more people. So becoming a team lead and um, leading them towards success because I already mentor people, I know how that's done and I can see it transitioning into my professional life as well. Okay, so to wrap up, where can people find more about Codet or you in general? Well, I'm on Facebook, Sylvia Stagaro, you can find me there and um, 
Codette is actually on a lot of channels. We have our web page, we have the Facebook page, the Facebook group, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have a GitHub, a GitHub repository where we actually put all our code from the workshops, so if anyone wants to take a look and even contribute, we have a YouTube channel, and so on. Thank you so much, Silvia, for being here tonight with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. And we'll be back after the short break. Hello and welcome to the news section of our podcast. The first news is that finally <laughs> Angular 8 was released yesterday which a with a bunch of bug fixes and features and with the, mu with the much anticipated Ivy compiler as an opt-in feature. Yeah, I think, I think we've been waiting for and talking about this Angular 8 release for the, the last two episodes or something yeah, like that. Yeah, two or three. It's been there for a while. Yeah, and it's, uh, it, it's finally the moment. The moment has finally come. We have Angular 8. Yay! Actually, we're going to talk about this Angular 8 release in the next episode. Yeah, don't, don't spoil it for everyone. I won't, I won't. The second news is that on the 24th of September, as usual, JS Camp Bucharest is happening and we have a surprise for you. But stay tuned also for the next episode. We're going to announce it in our JS League show. And the last piece of news is that the first JavaScript conference is happening in Timisoara called Revo Jusu, made by the JavaScript community from Timisoara. Really nice people on the 3rd and the 4th of October. We at the JS League team, we're going to be there for sure. So grab your ticket. Cool. And now on to the interview question, the most anticipated part of this, this podcast. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, talking about anticipation, we waited for someone to answer the last interview question we had, but uh, no one, uh, no one sent uh, sent a reply. Florin, we were counting on you. Yeah, Florin, we're really counting on you. Uh, you you need to step up your answering game. Uh, but the interview question for this episode is: Given n numbers in an array, find the greatest common denominator between them. So high schoolish. Yeah, Diana, Diana keeps looking at me weird when I talk about these interview questions. But yeah, so if you if you want to submit your answer for the interview question, or if you have any comments or questions or things that you'd like to see us talk about on the show, you can write to us at show at jsleague.ro. Actually, I think that for the next episode, I'm going to think for a new interview question. You're going to think? Yeah, I'm going to think. Maybe something good will come up. <laughs> will come out, actually. Yeah, we'll, we're all looking forward to Diana thinking. <laughs> but until then, <laughs> you can talk about our next guest. Our next guest is going to be Andre Antal, Angular developer, consultant and trainer, founder and organizer of NG Bucharest Meetup, talking about the new Angular 8 release. Yeah, we're probably going to talk about Angular in general, and I think I think the term Angular developer is so much uh, beneath what uh, Andre actually is. Andre is actually the Angular god. Yeah, it's the god of Angular. Yeah, and uh, we're uh, we're gonna release that episode uh, two weeks from now on the 14th of June. So until then, you you can read up on Angular, and if you have questions for Andre, you can actually send them at the at showijsleague.ro. Yep. Yep. And until then, stay tuned. See you next time. Bye.